Good morning. Wow, I see that Buffalo Bills jersey. Some of you were praying. <laughs> we will see. What, delight, what a delight to step in for Pastor David. Pastor David is at Faith Church in Yonkers today. He's, uh, he's uh, preaching for my son who pastors there at Faith Church and um, helping tra training leaders. And how many of you thank God for a healthy pastor? Don't, don't clap yet. How many of you thank God for a healthy pastor who has the right motivation to bring glory to God, to lift up Jesus, and see Jesus change all of our hearts? How many of you thank God for a pastor like that? I do. I really do. So that's where Pastor is today. In 1966, the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger and Keith Edwards, they wrote a song that was entitled Painted Black. Painted Black. Here are some of the lyrics to the song. I see a red door and I want it painted black. No colors anymore. I want them to turn black. I look inside myself and see my heart is black. I see my red door. I must have it painted black. Maybe then I'll fade away and not have to face the facts. It's not easy facing up when the whole world is black. I want to see it painted, painted black, black as night, black as coal. I want to see the sun blotted from the sky. I want to see it painted, 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 painted black. You and I know the reality is no one could just paint over and cover the sun and stop it from shining and putting out the light that it gives off. And none of us here today can paint over our hearts and just make them clean by painting over. I put a drop ceiling in our basement where we used to live in Cicero, and I remember not long afterwards there was a, there was a water stain in the ceiling tile in the basement. So I went to, went to Lowe's because I'm very ignorant when it comes to home repairs. My home repairs always initiate more repairs. So I went there to get the expert, and he said, I got just the thing for you. It's a stain cover, and all you do is you shake the can, and it's got the thing pointed up, and you just get under the tile, and you paint it. So that's what I did. I was really feeling good about myself. But a few weeks later, maybe a month or so later, uh, I saw the stain re reappearing. And so I, I think I did it twice. I painted again, and then I saw the stain again. So I got a ladder and moved the, moved the ceiling tile and discovered something. I didn't fix the leaking water line to the freezer and the ice maker. And the paint couldn't cover the problem because the stain wasn't the problem. The problem was behind the ceiling tile. It was a faulty water line connection. What's the lesson? It's a lesson Jesus addressed in the Beatitudes. We can't paint over issues and expect them to go away. We have to get behind the ceiling tile, behind the drywall, behind the paddling, and let God go deeper to the calls. In Matthew 5, 8, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? See God. Pastor is incredibly covered so far. The blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And last week, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. All of them have great meaning and great practicality for a healthy soul. This morning, blessed are the pure in heart. I want to look at three questions today over the next three hours. I'm only kidding, just checking to make sure you're okay and you're paying attention. What is the heart that Jesus is talking about? What does it mean to be pure in heart? And why 
is it so important, and who makes it possible? Now, remember the context that Jesus is speaking in, in his life and ministry. His words were not created out of a vacuum. They, they emerged out of a historical setting and a context. Israel was overburdened by the oppressive Pharisees. Remember the Pharisees? They misinterpreted the law as legal, a legal code to attain salvation. Myriads of laws, rules, and regulations, and ordinances were impossible to keep. And the Pharisees focused over and over and over and over on the outside what people saw instead of on the inside what God was after. And Jesus comes along and says this to the Pharisees, you wash your hands, you wash ceremonially, you don't eat with sinners, you fast, you pray, you give, but something is missing. For Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 8 and 9, people are honoring me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In other words, you're interested on the outside of the pots and platters, but it's more than your behavior and your conduct. The gospel is a matter of the heart. Now, I wasn't a big fan of HGTV early on, but now as I'm getting older, somewhere between 60 and 100, every now and then I like to sit down and I watch how do people fix up something that's really a mess, the, the, the fixer-uppers of America. And can you imagine Chip and Joanna Gaines buying a totally destroyed house? Their budget is $80,000 to fix it. They're going to spend $60,000 on the inside, $20,000 on the outside. But instead, they take all $80,000 and they spend it on the outside. Landscape, shrubs, trees, the deck, the pool, the fence, the driveway, the paint. People drive by every day. They look at the outside and they are wowed by the house. What are they thinking? This house is magnificent. Then one day they pull up to the curb, such curb appeal. They take one step inside the house, and it's totally trash. The person feels disgusted. Why? Why so disappointed? Well, because we live on the inside. We don't live on the outside. And the Pharisees were always concentrating on the outside, but Jesus was always focused on the on the inside. There's a note in the ESV study Bible in Matthew 5, and it says this. In contrast to Jewish traditions that overemphasize external ritual, ritual purity, Jesus taught that purity of heart was most important. So what is the heart? The word heart in the Gospel of Matthew comes from the Greek word cardia. It's where we get our English word cardiac. In the physical, the heart is a muscle. It's the source of physical life because it pumps blood, the fluid of life through our bodies. Ten pints of blood for every average person that's here today. Each day, the average heart beats 100,000 times and pumps about 2,000 gallons of blood per day. That's 700,000 heartbeats and 14,000 gallons of blood circulating every seven days through the heart. But what about the spiritual? Why did Jesus say, blessed are the pure in heart? The answer is found in Proverbs 4.23, where God says through Solomon, keep your heart with all diligence. Can you say the word diligence? Diligence. For out of it are the what? Issues of life. W.E. Vine defines the heart this way. The heart and its moral significance includes the emotions, the reason, and the will. The heart is our source of life, the seat of our whole inner person. 
The heart includes our desires, affections, will, motives, feelings, intellect, aim, principles, and emotions. The heart, in essence, is the inward spiritual nature of man. But what does it mean to keep your heart? The word keep in Proverbs 4.23 comes from the Hebrew word natsar, which means to guard, to protect, to watch, and preserve. So why is it so important? Why is the heart, your heart today, so important? Because the scripture says, for out of it are the what? Issues of life. That means the heart has main arteries that carry blood from the heart to the rest of the body. And the heart must not be injured or you and I suffer. And the fountains of, and the wells of the east were watched over with special care. If the enemy could taint the well with poison, victory was automatic. The water was the life source and it all flowed from the well. In Matthew 5, 8, Jesus teaches our heart is a function just like that. If it's tainted, the streams that flow out will be tainted as well. In other words, our, our bodily parts do not pump blood to the heart. The heart pumps blood to each part of our body. So our hands don't cause us to sin. They simply act out what's in our... How many of you know it would be foolish today to tell your dogs not to bark? You know why? It's in them. It would be foolish to tell your kitty cat, oh, don't purr and don't meow. It's just in there. It would be foolish for you to tell me during deer season, there's the deer walking under your tree. Don't shoot. Why? Because it's in here. It's not going to, my goal was to feed the sheep. So, so you know, I'm an animal lover. Okay, so don't be angry. Whatever, what is, what is Jesus teaching? Whatever's in your heart is what? is what comes out of the heart. In the Hebrew text, it reads this way in Proverbs 4.23, more than all else, be closely guarded, watched, and protected as something in a confined place. Keep watch over your heart, the place where God speaks to you, because from within it comes divine direction for your life. Hear what God is saying there. If we, follow, if we fail to guard our heart, will be unable to discern God's will. If we allow our heart to be cluttered, we'll miss the direction God's wanting to give us. If we fail in our heart what we are, we will fail in our hands what we do. So there's God's part to awaken our heart by the gospel. But there's also our part to guard, to protect the treasure in our earthly vessels. In August of 2020, I pulled out of my driveway, it'd be a year ago, this, this past summer, a year ago, and my car didn't go too far as I was going down Orchard Road, and I heard a big bang in the engine, and I saw white smoke pouring out of the back of the, uh, the, uh, the car, and the car just drifted to the side of the road, so I did what I should have done. I got out of the car, got my phone, and called AAA. They towed my car to... to uh, to Burdick Toyota, and about a week later, I went in to see the mechanic. I said, What's the, what happened? He said, well, the, the, uh, the white smoke told me right away it was, it was oil and water mixing. He said the engine got overheated. Somehow was something happened to the engine. We've ne we hardly ever see this. And the water and the uh, oil mixed, and uh, your engine is warped. 
And then he said this, he said, oil and water just don't mix. Question number two, what is a pure heart and why is it so important? Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. First part, pure. The word pure means without mixture, without division, without defilement. Get this, unfolded and undivided. But what does it mean to see God? It means it's referring to this present earthly journey. Jesus is saying here, to the extent that our heart is undivided, to that extent it will experience the leading of the Lord. It means Jesus will reveal himself commensurately to those who are walking in singleness of heart. It means if our character is impure, then our vision will be impaired. It means you don't go somewhere to find God. You become someone to see God. So the pure in heart will see God. How many of you know, how many of you know you that know the Lord? You that know the Lord by law? How many, how many of you know you, you can see God in a lot of places? You can see God. People who love Jesus, see, we see God at work in people's lives. We see God at work in nature and creation and relationships and lives that are changed by God. We see God in history and circumstance and community. You see things that the darkened heart doesn't see. In Psalm 24, verse 3, Jesus gives us another reason, a picture of a pure heart. In Psalm 24, verse 3, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who will stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, and who has not lifted up his soul to vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing of the Lord. Think of this. Clean hands, pure heart, no vanity of soul, not living for temporary idols and lesser things, nor sworn deceitfully. Jesus is teaching here, he shall receive the blessing of the Lord. What's that mean? That means we'll live with the joy and the power of a clear conscience and we'll bring glory to God as our light so shines to bless others. We will be affected. Those around us will be affected and influenced by your and my singleness of heart. Very clearly, here's what what the Scripture is teaching. We teach some by what we say. We teach more by what we do. But we teach most by what we are. Just think of what God is saying. A pure heart is defined in two ways. Someone who does not lift up his soul to vanity or an idol and someone who does not swear by what is false. What's that mean? One has to do with idolatry, which is worshiping something or someone else along with God. And the other has to do with pretending or putting on a false front with another person. Have you ever walked up to someone Maybe you tried to avoid them as you were pushing your shopping cart in Walmart. And then you saw them coming, and what did you do? You went, oh, the other way. I know none of you would ever do that. But then he'd walk up to you and give this monstrous smile. Hey, how are you? How are you? How are you? And you got to get the idea that it's not sincere. Is that possible? Have you ever done that? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) So here's the discovery. A pure heart is not sinless perfection. 
A pure heart is not sinless perfection. A pure heart is two things the Bible teaches. It's having all idolatry filtered out of our heart and worship of God, and it's having dishonesty filtered out in our relationships with other people. It's no longer playing games with God, and it's, no, and it's transparency with God and other people. We have, a, we have a filter on our refrigerator freezer, a water line, for a reason. What, what's the purpose of the filter? To filter out impurities. We have oil filters on our cars, so I'm, I'm told by our mechanic. I don't know. I've never changed one. Why do we have filters on our cars? To filter out the sludge so it doesn't rest in the engine. We have a 20 by 25 inch filter on our furnace. How come? To filter out the air that's circulating. So a pure heart is one that's being what? Filtered and cleansed and refined by God. If God's put his finger on you, has put his hand on you, if you're feeling bad or convicted about something, I, want, I have good news for you this morning. That's good, that's good news. You know what? God loves us enough to convict us to bring change for the glory of God because God knows what's best for us. How many of you thank God? How many of you thank God that if you're going to the left and God wants you to go to the right, God can convict us and stop us? How many of you thank God that a guardrail at the top of the cliff is better than a hospital at the bottom, feeling bad, feeling convicted rather, feeling convicted by God is a wonderful thing. How many of you have ever, God's been, God has convicted you about something or for something or in some area of life? Probably everybody here. You know what? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. God is filtering and filtering and filtering. I asked Pastor Uni, why is a pure heart so important about a week ago? I said, why is a pure heart so important? She never flinched. She said, if the window is dirty, you can't see clearly outside. And then she said, if the car windshield has ice on it, it will become dangerous. And then she said, now let's take an offering after my sermon. No, but I didn't do that. <laughs> we just shut the service down right there because I knew where that was going to go. And so... But isn't that true? Isn't it wisdom? I have a question. If you were thirsty, would you drink a bottled water if the label read 99% pure water, 1% sewer water? The answer is no. You know why? Because the 1% can ruin the 99%. In week seven of our Ephesians series, Pastor David spoke from Ephesians 5 on how to use our words, our money, and our bodies for the glory of God. He revealed how living as a child of God brings freedom, real freedom, real flourishing, and right heart motivation. We learned that we're saved from things, all kinds of vices and destructive habits and misplaced affections. And we learned that we are saved not only from things, but to things. In Ephesians 5, we stop taking and we start giving. We stop cursing and we start blessing. We stop uh, trusting temporary fixes in a bottle and we start worshiping God and find eternal joy in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But all the power is in the motivation. And, And Pastor made it so clear that we don't stop doing things to become a child of God. And we don't start things to become, start doing things to become a child of God. But rather because we are children of God, 
we stop living our way for our glory and we start living his way for his glory. Do you see the motivation? We don't serve God to get things from him. We serve him out of love and gratitude because he's done so much already for us. Hello? We love him. We serve him because we love him. We love him because he first loved us. How many of you are grateful? There's such power in a grateful spirit, it will protect us from feeling entitled and cheated in serving God. How many of you thank God that God's done more for you than you could ever repay him? So our greatest response is to live for the glory of God all the days of our life out of response and worship to what he's done. How many of you thank God for what he's done for you? Do you think, I know it's not Thanksgiving, but how many of you are grateful for what God has done for you? How many of you thank God God didn't give you what you deserve? How many thank God's done more for you than beyond your expectations? Why is it all so important? Because what the, get this, what the heart loves, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. Let me say it again. What the heart loves, what your heart loves the most, the will chooses to do, and the mind will justify it. That's just the way God created us, our soul. We have a mind, the ability to think. We have emotions, the ability to feel. And we have a will, the ability to choose. And they're all tied together. You can't, here's the, you can't separate. You can't, you can't say, well, with part of my heart, I'll do this. But all oh, with no one's looking, with part of my heart, I'll do that. You, that doesn't work. Why? It's the way God created us. It's like the Titanic. It was built as the un, un, unsinkable ship. And it was a new thing in shipbuilding, and they said no one, even one newspaper said, even God could not sink this ship. Don't ever tell God what he can't do. I'm not saying God did that and killed 1,500 people. I'm just saying, listen, the Titanic was built, and it was deemed unsinkable because it was a new thing in shipbuilding. It was, it was called compartmentalization. And there were like 60 compartments built in the front of the ship so that if, if, any, if it hit something, um, it could sustain up to up to, uh, I believe it was uh, five compartments could be destroyed and the ship could not sink. And I believe five were destroyed of the 60 and you know the end of the story. Why? You, could, you can't separate. You can't. That's the carnal man who speaks. That's, that's, that's the evil one who speaks to you and says, you can do this. But you, as long as you can do this, you can do this and still do this. But we just sang the song that God is after our whole heart. There's power in giving him all of our heart. A character in John Bunyan's book entitled Pilgrim's Progress is called, here's a character. His name is Mr. Facing Both Ways. Mr. Facing Both Ways is the picture of someone with an unfiltered, divided heart. It's a heart that wants to live in two worlds with two masters at the same time with a divided heart. Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, he wrote a book with the theme of this, a pure heart. He said, purity of heart is to will one thing. What's your one thing? What do you want more than anything else in life? What's your one thing? Martin Lloyd-Jones said, a pure heart is one that regards God as our highest good. He said, uh, it lives to the glory of God in every aspect. 
He said it means we desire to love God, serve God, as our, and our supreme desire is to live free from hypocrisy. It means to live without fold, without folding, and nothing hidden. Without fold. Think of that. Without fold. I have a handkerchief. It's, it's new, so don't be nervous. I think I got it for Christmas. Uh, it's new. Without fold. Without fold. Can you see what's in this right now? You can't see. You know why? Because it's folded. Blessed are the pure in heart without fold. And when I unfold it, now I can see better. You see, well, God already, that's right, God already does see. He knows. And when I fold it, unfold it a little more, I can see a little better. And when I unfold it halfway, I can see halfway. And then when I unfold it the whole way, I can see the, I can see the whole thing. When Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, he was saying, blessed are those who live unfolded. Why is this so important? Preacher, why is this important? Because Calvary will only cover what we uncover. And that takes humility. That takes godly sorrow. That takes deep repentance. One scholar said it this way about a pure heart. Pay attention to where you're paying attention because we will usually get to the place to which we're paying attention. Let me say it again. Pay attention to what you're paying attention to because we will usually get to the place to which we're paying attention. What do you pay attention mostly to? What do our minds, attention, and our heart's affections go to most easily? What do we think about most often? What has the most control over your emotions? This is not working to be saved and made righteous. It's working to be vigilant and wise and be on guard. Remember, holiness is not giving up the pleasure of sin for some boring, unexciting life. Get this clearly. Holiness is understanding from Scripture that the pleasures of sin are only temporary, empty, and unfulfilling, while God has prepared for us full and lasting pleasure that remains now and forever. How many of you thank God that there's more than what we see? There's more to what we feel. There's, there's more to what we know. But how is all this possible, preacher? How is it possible to walk in a toxic culture and keep our hearts? I was over Pastor David's house one time, and we were watching something that was wholesome and clean, but I think some scary, uh, something scary came on the TV, and his girls were there, and Pastor David said, Cover up your eyes, girl. Cover up your eyes. <laughs> I thought, what, what, what? What's he doing? He's doing what the Bible says to be vigilant, to guard the eye gate so they wouldn't scream about possibly something scary that night. You see, there's God's part and there's our part. But how is it possible to walk out of here today and and asking God before we walk out, God, help me have a pure heart. Well, number one, recognize how dark our hearts really are. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Number two, refuse to run or hide and resist the grace of God. 
James said, draw nigh to God. And he will what? Draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands and purify your heart. When my car gets dirty, you know what I do? I wash it. Well, more I, more I just let, the God, I let God wash my car. And it rains a lot in Syracuse. So I get free car washes all the time. When my clothes get dirty, they are washed. Body gets dirty, it is washed. My teeth, brush them every day. How does all this happen? I have to admit that I need to do this. I thank God today that we're justified by faith. I get that. It's a legal term. It means that Christ, in Christ, God drops all charges against you. So in Christ, your debt is paid in full. How many of you thank God that you've been justified by the grace of God? Everybody here. Secondly, forgiveness is relational. It means in Christ, God reconciles you to himself. There's one who forgives. That's Jesus. And there's one who is forgiven. That's you and me. And the two were who, who were apart are now what? Brought back together. But the third part of our salvation is that ongoing work. It's that cleansing that's going on. Some call it sanctification. It's an ongoing cleansing. Well, listen, where God washes us and it cleanses us from our greed and our lust and our pride and our anger and our self-preoccupation and our fears and our worries and our insecurities and our patterns of destructive behavior and addictions and self-righteousness and whatever else needs to be filtered out. The good news of the gospel is this. God gives us. Actually, he gives us a new heart. You wouldn't would have known me. You wouldn't have liked me 45 years ago. I had a guitar. I wanted to be like Paul McCartney of the Beatles. I bleached my hair, my hair blonde. It was down to here. It was long. I was under the boardwalk. I found out how, to, how you can get a, a blonde hair by just with a bottle of peroxide. Pour it all over and go out in the sun. I was lost as lost could be. My favorite song was, I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. No wonder I was depressed. The poor horse didn't even have a name. How sad is that? What a basket case I was at the age of 19. But I had my guitar, my gold Paul McCartney. I was going to be just like him. And then one day somebody got in my face in Florida, gave me a gospel track. Said, you need Jesus. I said, shut up. I don't need anything. Ten days later, flying home on an airplane, I, pr- I opened my suitcase, the little handbag, and there was the track. I read the track, and a spirit of conviction came over me. My grandmother was praying in Leesburg, Virginia, 1,200 miles away from Tampa, Florida, and I'm reading a track and began to weep and pray a sinner's prayer. I walked off the airplane, a born-again Christian 45-plus years ago, and have never looked back once. Why? Because the grace of God changed my heart. But I'm not perfect yet, just like you. We're all in process. And that process is God's part. And then there's our part to cooperate. Here's the greatest blessing you'll find in your life on earth. Are you ready? Here's the greatest blessing. It's not in winning the lottery. Here's something better than the lottery. This will destroy the if-onlys in your life. You know, if only, if only I had a newer car, I'd be happy. If only I had my old car. You know, you ever hear people just live in the world of if-only. If only my kids live closer. If only my kids live further. If only, if only, if only I could get change my job, I'd be happy. If only, if only, if only, if only, if only, if only. Well, this will, this will, this will destroy the if-only so you can enjoy contentment. The greatest blessing in your life on earth is this. 
It's the work of the Holy Spirit freeing our hearts from the lesser things that can never satisfy our deepest longings and desires. It takes us from, if only I had this, I could be happy, to this. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold because he's at work in our hearts. How does it happen? Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 13, can the Ethiopian change his skin or a leopard its spots? Neither can you who are bent towards sin, which means no, we can't change our hearts. So how can we change? Jeremiah also said in Jeremiah 31, I'll put my law on their minds and write it on their hearts and I'll give them singleness of heart and action. So the answer is yes. No, we can't do it, but yes, God can do it. So how do we maintain a pure heart? I close with Tim Chester's words in his little paperback called You Can Change. Listen carefully. Chester said, behind every sin is a lie. The root of all our behavior and emotions is the heart, what it trusts and what it treasures. Chester writes, we sin because we believe the lie that we're better off without God, that sin offers more than God. We think we're free when we break away from God, but we become enslaved by our own sinful desires. Repentance is not just turning from sinful behavior, but turning from the idols and desires that cause or lead to our sinful behavior. So we cooperate with God. How do we do that? Here's some thoughts and ideas, and I'm finished. How about this one? We continually plant the Word of God in the soil of our hearts. It filters out so much. We treasure Jesus above everything else in life. How about this? We worship God because when we worship, we're reminding ourselves that God is bigger and better than anything that sin offers. How about this one? We cultivate an awareness of the Holy Spirit's presence. And I sense him here today. He's here. You know why he's here? He's here to work and go deeper in our hearts. And lastly, we avoid and we run from anything that stirs up our sinful desires. Very simply, we understand every evil thought is sin in its embryo stage. Sin that's destroyed in our minds will not become a part of our history. The longer we stay where we do not belong, the harder it becomes to exit that place. And the longer we we resist the calling voice of God, the harder it becomes to hear that voice again. This is one of the greatest gospel message invitations in all of the Bible. Blessed are the pure in heart. Why? Because it's Jesus inviting us to the only one who can change us. Wherever God finds you today, my ask is this. Would you give him permission? Would you give God permission? And never forget, every temptation in essence, is a lie promising you something it cannot deliver. Jesus, purify our hearts. Would you bow your heads in a word of prayer just for a moment? Every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. Just before Antonia leads us in a song, a one course, and Pastor Jared closes in prayer.
Every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. John Flavel said in his book, Keeping the Heart, he said this, keeping your heart is a work that is never done until life is over. It's the most important business of a Christian's life. And it's only faith in what Jesus has done that can change our hearts. The good news is he can do that. Wherever God finds you online or here this morning in person, God brought you here for a reason. You're not here by accident. And maybe you're here and you're willing to give God permission to change something inside your heart. And, you know, and you're willing to admit you can't do this by yourself. If you're not absolutely positively sure you're born again of the Spirit of God, right now you can pray and say, Jesus, come into my heart and change me into your likeness. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and be my personal Savior. And Jesus will come in and begin to change you from glory to glory or degree by degree. Process. He'll filter out what needs to be filtered out. If you're here and you know there's something that God is wanting to change inside of your heart, and today you're willing to give God permission to come in and change, by an act of your will, you're willing to say, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to give you opportunity so that you can change what needs. If that's you, no one's looking around, but if that's you, would you just slip your hand up, not to me, but to the Lord, and say, Jesus, today I'll give you permission. God bless you. Thank you, and thank you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Anybody else? You're willing to give God permission to bring change. Transparency. The healthy fear of the Lord. The joy of the Lord becomes your strength. It's not works. It's all by grace. But there's God's part. And then there's our part to be vigilant. To be on guard. To trust Jesus. Lord, I thank you for every man and woman in this room. Pray, God, that you'll capture our hearts. Create a clean heart in us, God. You can have our hearts fully. Change us. Help us to live out this beatitude, Lord. Blessed. Blessed. Truly blessed. Truly blessed.